Welcome to Hive Mind, the weekly podcast from the Beehive about the latest and greatest in pop culture. I'm Meg Walter in studio today with Eli McCann. Hey! Hey, Eli. Uh, sadly, Nick is unable to join us today because he has a real job with not, real obligations. He's not real committed. He's not really committed to <laughs> he's this. just not very committed to this podcast that makes no money. <laughs> Eli, what have you been watching? You know how when we sit in here, I always take notes on my phone. When you or Nick say something, I say, I'm going to write that down. Mm -hmm. So last week I wrote down two things. And you probably sometimes think that I don't really take your suggestion seriously, but I watch everything you tell me to watch. And so within the last week, I have consumed okay. media from both you and Nick. First, I started and I have been binging, devouring Ozark. Is it bingeable? My impression was that it's a hard one to binge and is better paced. It's a little bit similar to Sharp Objects in that it's kind of heavy and yeah. so you might not want to binge it in the same way you might binge The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, for example. Right. But I just cannot wait to like spend more time with these characters. So what I'll say is I'm like episode seven of season one and Ozark I can't remember the last time I watched a show. I, I mean, it's been years since I watched a show that I thought the character development was this compelling and okay. this fun to watch. And it reminds me a little bit of the kind of character development that I saw in Friday Night Lights. When I watched that show, the characters were so well written and so fun that I would go to bed at night thinking, I wish they would do a scene where this character meets this character because that would be so interesting to see how they would interact. Their characters were that good. Yeah. And Ozark is feeling a little bit that way for me. There are a couple of characters when I see them on screen, I'm like, man, I hope so-and-so shows up in the scene because I really want to see what goes down with that person when they're confronted with this type of personality. And that is a well-written show. Absolutely. So I'm really happy about it. It is dark content warnings, all of the usual content sure. warnings for it. But Netflix, right? It's on Netflix. It stars Jason Bateman and my girl, Laura Linney. All our girl. She, I mean, America's she, girl. she and I shared a moment on a New York sidewalk once. <laughs> yes. Maybe I'll show you the picture sometime. Maybe if I'm lucky, you'll send me the picture. <laughs> I have. Twice. Uh, probably multiple times. <laughs> I love my girl, Laura. So Laura Linney is phenomenal in it. Okay. Of course she is. Yeah. I will say, I've never been a huge Jason Bateman fan. I like every movie or TV show that he's in, but I usually think he's kind of the weakest part of it. Okay. And I don't dislike him. It's just that he happens to be in like really good casts usually. Well, and he's usually the straight man, right? He's usually yeah. the one who's maybe, everyone else is acting around him. Yeah. And maybe that's it's he's kind of boring to me for that reason. Yeah. But he is really good in Ozark. Okay. He's like this surprisingly competent, fun character to watch. And then there's this this character named Ruth who's like this young woman who grew up in trash, just total trash town, and she's something of a genius. She has these street smarts that surpass what most people have. And so these characters are just sort of fun to watch them do their shenanigans. So that. And then I have been... Not binging the Harry Potter podcast. Oh, uh-huh. I have been devouring it to an unhealthy degree. It's fun, huh? I don't want to overstate this, so I'm going to be careful with my word choice, but the Harry Potter podcast is more important than any human life. So we should tell people what this is. Okay. Uh, it's The Ringer, which is a website, a kind of a media company, has a podcast called Binge Mode, 
by the executive editor of The Ringer and a staff writer. Mm -hmm. Um, And they have previously covered Game of Thrones. This summer they did Harry Potter. So it's called Binge Mode is the podcast. I've been listening on Spotify is where I found it. And it was like for a while every day they released one of these episodes and each episode covers a few chapters of the book and they talk about the movie version as well. And they go through all of the books, but it's not just a couple of people sitting in a studio like, oh, didn't you like chapter one? That was cool. It's not like it is so well researched and it's scripted. It's like written. The episodes are, are scripted and each episode, although they are covering like a couple of chapters of each of the books, they consider all of the books. Yeah. The entire canon of Harry Potter. And so they're like going through and they're like, and then Harry approaches the door and he opens it and there's this note written on it, which in book seven we find out means such and such. But J.K. Rowling in an interview clarified later, and it's just this really, really thorough analysis. Research. Really well researched. Plus the people who host it are very irreverent and funny. And so they make constant jokes about how Professor McGonagall is betting on Quidditch teams on the side (laughs) and like doing all this shady biz with the Quidditch teams at Hogwarts. I'll just say, if you can handle just a little bit of bad language, it's not like really profane, but there's some stuff in it, and you like Harry Potter, you absolutely should go listen to this. It Uh, is delightful. I agree. You do have to skip like the first five minutes of every episode, though, because for some reason... It takes them five minutes of every episode to explain that they're about to talk about Harry Potter. I like it. Why? I don't, it goes I, on forever. I like it. I just think they're funny and goofy and uh, <laughs> Today, they make each other laugh. We're going to talk about Harry Potter. Spoiler <laughs> alert. It's a spoiler alert because we're going to talk about it and we're going to talk about it. You guys, this is it. This is your warning. And it goes it, it literally five minutes. They do kind of talk like that, too. Yeah. It's and, like two people from like Southern California talking yeah. about Harry Potter. It has been a little bit difficult for me to get over that, the way they speak. Okay. Their voices kind of drive me crazy, but the content is so good. I'm willing to I'm willing to put up with that. That's fair. What about you, Meg? So I, over the weekend, saw the movie A Simple Favor. What's that? It is a movie from Paul Feig, but it's darker than most of his movies. It's a thriller, and it is starring Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick. And it's essentially Blake Lively goes missing. Blake Lively, who is beautiful and mysterious and edgy and mm. a fellow mom, goes missing and Anna Kendrick who's like a stand-in for me and every mom I know who's cute and like <laughs> likes recipes and like, <laughs> like she like takes on this search to find her friend um it was so much more fun and funny than i was expecting it's darkly funny like when people die it's funny funny <laughs> i can't recommend it enough it is pretty adult there is some content that would be objectionable to people with higher standards than myself, but Mm -hmm. I had a lot of fun watching it. Do we watch anything that is for all audiences? Talked about Seinfeld once. Is that for, I mean... Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Also, in other shows that aren't for all audiences, I am almost done with season two of American Vandal. Mm. Season one of American Vandal is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. In my entire life. Mm-hmm. Uh, the premise is that there is someone at a high school 
who has drawn profane images on all of the teacher's cars. <laughs> Which is kind of a funny premise. Mm -hmm. What makes it really funny is the way the filmmakers have taken on the material as though it is the most serious true crime of our time. Okay. And it's these two high school documentarians who take themselves very seriously and do like all the cliche documentary things. All the weird style of interview where you film someone pausing and reflecting about, like, who drew a penis on a car. <laughs> like, it's so funny. And season two, uh, it's a new high school, same documentarians. But the mystery they're trying to solve is someone spiked the lemonade with laxative. Okay. And so everyone in the school pooped themselves. Okay. <laughs> and they're trying to get to the bottom of who the turd burglar is. Okay. It's funny. It's not as funny as season one, but still very well done, very entertaining, very it? enjoyable. You know, it's, uh, I don't remember their names, but they did it through Funny or Die. Okay. And apparently before this, they did some other projects where they talked about Space Jam as though it were like a real sports event. <laughs> So they just have, like, really funny ideas. And, like, they hired the cinematographer who did A Chef's Table, so a real documentary cinematographer. Mm -hmm. And pretty much their whole thesis is the more serious we are about this, the funnier it is. Okay. And okay. it's true, like, because yeah. they treat it as though it were um, making a murderer. Okay. Okay. So you know, who are the, the people that make Portlandia, the two actors? Fred Armson and, and Carrie Brownstein. So did you ever see, they made, I think it was the two of them, made a series for a while where they were looking back at famous documentaries. Documentary Now. Documentary Now. Yeah. It was them, right? Bill Hader and Fred Armson. Bill Hader, that's who it was. It was yeah. Bill Hader. And I was like, I feel like it was two guys, though. I keep thinking the humor is, is very similar. Is it that kind of humor? Um, It's kind of... But not really. Okay. Because I feel like documentary now, they're like making jokes within the jokes. Yeah. The joke of American Vandal is how absurd the premise is and how life or death they all are. About okay. It. Okay. And like it's so well cast. Every kid is a kid you went to high school with. Okay. Because, you know, usually we watch high school shows and it's like, oh, there's the pretty girl and the jock. And like, yeah, yeah. But this is like really gets the nuance of how kids actually are in high school and how their relationships actually are. Yeah. There's even a bullying element in this one. But it's like, was he actually bullied or was he into it? And you don't really know. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's hard to explain without giving away too much. But it's really, really well done. Okay. And really funny. Okay. Uh Documentary Now, the episode on Grey Gardens was like one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my, my life. My favorite Documentary Now is Juan Likes Chicken and Rice. I don't think I saw that. It's, they're making fun of Euro Dreams of Sushi. Okay. Which, you know, is a very self-important. Mm -hmm. It's all about the sushi chef in Japan. Yes. And this guy, <laughs> Juan Likes Rice and Chicken, they like serve only bananas at this restaurant. And you have to hike an entire mountain to get to it. And mm -hmm. they may or may not be open. <laughs> And they may or may not be serving rice. <laughs> Which, yeah. Anyway. Oh, great. So that's what I've been watching. Good. Uh, can I make my annual complaint about the Emmys? 
Oh, right. The Emmys. I did not watch the Emmys. I did anyone. In fact, I saw an article today. They were like nine people in America watched the Emmys this year. Monday night. Like who has time? Why are you doing it on a Monday night? I've got to do homework. I got to bathe my kids. Who even knew that was happening? Like Sunday night is the perfect night for an awards ceremony. It should always be on. Everything should be on Sundays. (gasps) Why do they put anything not on a Sunday? I don't know. And I I wasn't really interested. Okay, that's actually not even what my complaint was going to be, by the way. My complaint, my annual complaint is the fact that Titus from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt still has not won an Emmy is the reason why I cannot take the Emmy seriously. That's fair. It is completely ridiculous. Yeah. I don't care if God himself is in that category. This man should be given an award for what he is doing in that show. Do you remember when Adele won Album of the Year? Mm-hmm. And she got up and she's like, the speech. I really think Beyonce should have this. Somebody needs to do that for Titus. Yeah. That's it, 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 last year when Alec freaking Baldwin won for his SNL impression. Oh, did he win last Donald year? Trump, he beat out Titus. That's not even a funny impression. It's not even a funny impression. And it's like that took you no effort at all. Wait, who won this year? I don't I just saw it. Let me look. I just saw that it wasn't Titus. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me about this. Titus in that show gives 9000 yeah. percent of this incredible talent and how is he not getting re- I mean he he's getting nominated every year which is something but like at some point come on I was surprised to learn that last night was I just I just tried to google Titus and I accidentally googled tits Emmys <laughs> <laughs> Glad I didn't hit enter okay Glad sorry Glad this isn't video <laughs> Go ahead Um I was surprised to learn that last night Henry Winkler won his first Emmy Oh yeah that's his first Yeah isn't that weird Oh good for him and, like, Julia Louis-Dreyfus didn't win for the first time in six years. But only because she was not eligible this year. Oh, was she not eligible? No. Um, that was the big thing last year was that because they're not releasing the last season of Veep until some such and such time, she just has no show for this year. So they're like, oh, she actually will not be eligible to win it another year in a row. Got it. So that's why she wasn't even nominated. So Henry Winkler won. That's the one he won for. He beat out... Titus. Titus for that. Do you think it was deserved? Because you watch Barry. That's what he... That's He's what, pretty good in Barry. Do you, are you still liking that show? Yeah, it's only been one season. Okay. Uh, you know, HBO, they kind of like make seasons whenever they feel like it. Yeah, I just can't do it. I can't do that show. It's dark. It's mm-hmm. definitely dark. Uh, Henry Winkler's really good in it. Yeah, Alec Baldwin was nominated again. I don't know about that. Pisses me off. <laughs> Let's move on before you get too upset. Okay. Uh, We're here today to talk about Friends. I have some. The seminal television Mm -hmm. series of our adolescence. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. When did it stop? I feel like I was a senior in high school. Yeah, it stopped around 2004, I think. 2004, 2005. Yeah, that's the exact year I graduated. So it was in its, I think, second to last season when I was a freshman in college, and I, to this day, I don't think there's ever been a TV show that people planned their lives around more. And I remember that Friends was on on Thursday night and down in the common area in the dorms, like everyone who lived in the entire dorms would go down there to watch Friends together. It was like an event. Yeah. And that was it. We didn't watch what came on after or what was on before. I think Scrubs was followed it and like maybe some people stuck around. Frasier. But, yeah, everybody descended upon the common room to watch Friends in silence together because it was you just couldn't get enough of it. 
And it's really weird for me to think about that now because I'll see reruns now, and I know this is an unpopular opinion, but it's just kind of a dumb show. Okay, I agree. When I see it on TV now, I'm like, this isn't really funny. However, at least once a day, I say out loud, this is like that episode of Friends where. Yeah. Because they were actually very good at coming up with scenarios that were relatable. Everyone was way hotter than Mm -hmm. anyone is in real life. The women. The men were disgusting in that show. Do you think so? Yes. The men are not even remotely attractive. None of them, even Joey's supposed to be like hot, especially as the series goes on. They're not cute men. I always thought Chandler was cute, Mm-mm-mm. but annoying. Mm. But yeah, the most beautiful woman you've ever seen. Yeah. In like th- the nicest apartments you've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. Working waitress jobs. Yeah. Well, to be fair, only one of them is working a waitress job. But Courtney Cox is between jobs all the time. All the time. Yeah. What does Phoebe do? Massage therapist? Phoebe, for me, was the standout of the show. And Mm -hmm. I still think Lisa Kudrow is the best thing to come out of that show. Especially having seen her in The Comeback, which is to this day maybe my favorite HBO comedy ever. I don't know what that is. You need to watch The Comeback. The Comeback? The premise of The Comeback is that Lisa Kudrow is a former sitcom star Mm -hmm. who's now washed up and auditions for a new show and agrees to be in a reality show about her comeback. (laughs) And it is great. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for this. I love Lisa Kudrow. One of the main reasons why I love her more than I love the others is when you see her in things now, she's playing um, roles that are appropriate for her age, and she has aged very gracefully. Yes. So she actually plays Kimmy Schmidt's mother in The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and she looks like she could be Ellie Kemper's mother. And you see Jennifer Aniston or, heaven forbid, Courtney Cox in anything, and it's like, ladies, yeah, let go. I just stumbled on Easy A oh. on TV a while ago, and she's the guidance counselor in that. And she's wonderful. So good. She is so good in that movie. She is far and away the best thing to come out of Friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, was it a good show at the time? Well, I've wondered a lot and thought about this a lot. In a lot of ways, it was very typical of its time in tone, the types of jokes, the yeah. format and everything. And remember how racy it was? It was it was so racy, but it was so much better than any of the other shows. And what was the difference? I like, don't know. I think Frasier was better. Well, no, I agree with you. It's not my favorite show, but the country considered it to be. Oh, sure. The best show. But the country right now considers like Big Bang Theory. I know. Don't even get me started. But what was Friends doing better for the masses than any of those other shows that kind of looked identical to it? Do we just like watching attractive people? A lot of those shows had attractive people. Not Seinfeld. Will and Grace had gorgeous people in it. Yeah. And it wasn't nearly as popular as Friends. Wings, that had gorgeous people in it. It wasn't nearly as popular as Friends. Was it because it was so edgy? I don't know. Was it? Do you think it was edgier than other shows that it was? I, every episode with? was about sex in one way or another. Mm-hmm. It was mentioned on other shows, but not like it wasn't about sex. Yeah. What was so? Do you think it's edgy today? When you see episodes, do you think it still feels edgy? Uh, I you, mm, edgy might not be the right word, but they had one joke. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and it was always about sex, uh-huh. and I feel like that was. The whole show. So is that what made the show popular? People liked the edginess? I like my parents loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. 
there was something that they did better than any other show that made you feel like these were real people in your life and that their apartment felt like a place I knew. More than like any other show. More than like Seinfeld? Yeah. Like the Seinfeld apartment, I didn't want to go like hang out in there. But the Friends apartment, like I wanted to, I like still would love to go hang out in that place. Was it because there were so many of them? Oh, six. Is six a magical number? Maybe six is a magical number. And there were enough of them that they could switch off relationships and stuff and keep it fresh. Oh no. And they were all style icons. Remember when Rachel got that haircut? Yeah. And then every woman in America got that haircut? It was a pretty show. And overalls? Yeah. Jennifer Aniston wore overalls. I'm we still all wearing overalls. overalls. Yeah. <laughs> I literally have two pairs of overalls. Because of Three, Jennifer four. Aniston? I have four pairs of overalls because yeah. of Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't... <sighs> when it's on, I don't change the channel. Mm-hmm. I watch it, you know? And I realize that it's dated mm-hmm. and hasn't aged as well as some others, but it's still entertaining. Yeah. It's like comforting to have it on in the background. And I think that has to be because I grew up with it. Is it nostalgia? It's got to be. Because I think if that show just suddenly premiered now, I would see an episode and be like, this is kind of dumb and I would never want to watch it. It's interesting because as I mentioned on this podcast before, we've been watching Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. And Seinfeld was creative. Yes. And the actors were doing things, well, at least Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Michael Richards were doing things that other actors weren't doing Mm. sitcoms. But like Friends, they were just playing it straight. They were all just playing it straight. Yeah. Joey was a little dumb. Mm -hmm. Phoebe was a little weird. One-dimensional characters. Very one-dimensional reading jokes. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Okay, give me your one through six. Phoebe. Mm Mm-hmm. Joey. Mm. Ross. Whoa, you put Ross in the top three? Yeah. It's like popular to hate Ross. I liked Ross. Okay. I think I related most to Ross, mm-hmm. which is sad. Oh. Chandler. Rachel. Okay. I don't even remember. Monica. Monica. So I relate most to Monica. Really? Mm-hmm. Why? Controlling. Type A. Type A, controlling. I feel like in my friend groups, I tend to be the Monica. I'm like the one that's always like cooking and like, now everyone come sit over here. I'm sort of, and Monica is sort of the friend that the rest of them revolve around. I mean, she's like the home base friend. Yeah, it's always her apartment. They're always always in Monica's apartment. Always her apartment. She's just kind of the one that sort of is like holding it together in a very mom matriarch kind of way. So my six are, I think, Phoebe, Monica's probably my number two, then Rachel, then Chandler, then there's a pretty steep drop-off, then Ross, and then there's a a drop-off for a near eternity to Joey, who I think is one of the stupidest sitcom characters. No, you're right. He's stupid. Of all time. Except when he eats the trifle. It's pretty funny. One scene that I like of his in the entire series, and then the rest of the time I think he is completely stupid, is when he puts on his resume that he can drink a gallon of milk in 20 seconds or something. Do you remember this? It's like one of the one of those like end scenes, like the when the oh, credits are yeah, rolling. Yeah, yeah. And Phoebe's looking at his resume and she's like, This says you can drink a gallon of milk in twenty seconds. And he's like, Yeah, I can. And he goes to the refrigerator. This is more of a Phoebe scene than him, actually, for me. This is probably why it's funny. He gets a gallon of milk out of the refrigerator and he's like, Time me. And she's like, Okay. And she holds up a stopwatch and he opens it and he 
puts it up to his mouth and the milk just pours down his body and very little of it's making it into its mouth and it's just pouring and pouring and pouring down his body and she's just staring at him kind of giving him this look in kind of amazement that what the heck and he finishes and she hits the beeper and she goes you did it <laughs> That was a good scene. My favorite Joey scene is when he's teaching an acting class and he tells people that when they want to look like they've been betrayed, they should divide. It's like 47 by three. Uh And then you watch his eyes (laughs) try and do the math. I thought that was a great scene. Okay. Okay. There's some, yeah. So this show for me I wasn't allowed to watch it when it premiered. Same. Because what? how old were we? Like 10, maybe. Yeah. And far too racy for a Mm 10-year-old. And so I'd like kind of maybe sneak in while my parents were watching it. Mm -hmm. And like I think they knew I was there, but they wait for like something really bad to happen before they'd tell me I had to leave. (laughs) And then I'd be like, hypocrites! Uh And then, you know, it started to become reruns on TV, and that's when I really saw the bulk of it was, Mm -hmm. like, after school, junior high and high school. And I think that at this point in my life, I've probably seen every episode, Mm -hmm. but it's hard to say. Because it's maybe not all been in the same order. Yeah. Do do you remember how big of a deal it was, the Ross Wedding episode, when he says Rachel's name instead of Emily. Emily? Yeah. That was, like... And people talked about it like it was real life oh, for a while. That happened to their friends. Like it happened to their own friends. Yes. yes. And I mean, I remember it, people, the actors went and did like interviews on late night shows after that. And it was just what the heck is going to happen in the show. And I think that maybe Friends was one of the first sitcoms that really did the cliffhanger at the end of a season well. Because what other sitcoms like before or during that time, The Office then took it to like a whole new level where like the the Office cliffhangers, you knew that there was going to be a huge cliffhanger at the end of every season that was just going to be so good. Yeah. And I feel like Friends maybe is the is the show that introduced that. Because think about the sitcoms of the 80s and 90s or before, like the classic sitcoms. I don't really feel like cliffhanger was a thing. They sort of would wrap up a season and have kind of their good, higher budgeted episode at the end and then be like, hey, join us next season. We'll have more shenanigans. Yeah, no, totally. I think you're right. I think that they were the front runner on that. They sucked people in. They sure through did. Through a storyline that they were actually carrying out through the sitcom. Do you think we'll ever have a show like that again where everyone in America is watching it? Do we have anything like that now? I don't think so. I think that streaming has completely changed the way we think about TV. There's too much now? There's too much good TV. Well, I'll say this isn't a sitcom, but and I don't watch it, but Game of Thrones kind of feels like that. There sort of feels like when Game of Thrones is on, my entire social media is, is consumed with people just talking about who's coming over for Game of Thrones, we're starting at 6, we're going to have a party. I mean, yeah. that's kind of feeling that way to me. That's fair. But as far as sitcoms go, I can't think of anything that's quite Are like that. Are sitcoms dead? Like an audience laugh track sitcom? Like any short format uh, Veep, comedy Veep series. is very popular. Is Veep a sitcom, though? It's a comedy. It's a short form comedy. What is a sitcom? I guess maybe I'm thinking it has to be like a laugh track. Because would you consider 30 Rock a sitcom? Yeah, I would consider 30 Rock a sitcom. So why is 30 Rock a sitcom but not Veep? What's the difference? I don't know. Is there a difference? I don't think so. I think they're both sitcoms, but... But I would venture to guess that like 5%... Veep has 5% the audience Friends did. 
Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. We'll never have a show like that again. Yeah, maybe not. Network TV's dying. It's kind of sad. Yeah. Anyway, thanks Roseanne, for listening, everybody. Roseanne Reboot was going to be that. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was never going to be that. <laughs> hey, they're doing a spinoff, right, Jackie? The Connors. Oh, The Connors. They're calling it The Connors. Yeah, I guess. I just saw it on I'll the watch way. that. I know you will. Are you not going to watch it? <sighs> you can't do the laugh track. Can't well, do it. it's a live studio audience, but can't yeah. Can't do it. All right. I'll watch it and I'll report. All right. So, friends. I give it a C. <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, when it's on, I watch it. I'm not going to go out of my way. I wouldn't recommend it to you guys out there. I think it meant a lot to me in my formative years. Yeah, me too. I think it meant a lot to our generation in the fact, formative years. The fact that we just very easily named all six characters of this show that I haven't watched in years and years and years is says something, especially considering that the current shows that I watch, I couldn't name like most of the yeah, characters. Same. same. Yeah. So good job, writers of Friends. You made an impact on us somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, next week, we will be talking about the newest season of Great British Bake Off available on Netflix. I'm sure um, it's not the newest season that's available on the BBC because we're overseas. So it's the one that everyone in America has been watching right now. And, let, um, and let's be honest, we'll probably be talking about all of the seasons of the Great British. Because British they're show. all wonderful and deserve to be talked about. And Nancy's my girl. <laughs> yeah. Season one, Nancy. <laughs> So we will see you next week. Okay. Bye.